0: Well, howdy. howdy! All right. It is great to get to be here with you again. My name is Timothy Atik, and I'm the director of Breakaway Ministries. And I'll just say that this church is a very special place for me because when I was going to this church when I was in college, this is where I first learned how to study the Word of God. So I love this place. And I would say that Brian Fisher, the senior pastor here, is the person who has had the biggest spiritual impact on my life. And so what a joy and an honor to get to stand here with you uh, this morning. Let me pray for us real quick before we uh, jump into the Word of God. Lord, we're thankful for what you have in store for us today. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we open up your Word, you would speak to our hearts, that you would prepare our minds and our ears, in our hearts to hear what you want to say to us today. And so let me just invite you, where you're sitting right now, if you will, just take a moment, and in the quietness of your own heart, just pray and ask God to speak to you. And then if you would pray for me and just ask God that uh, my words would be helpful to you today. Lord, we love you, and we give this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start this morning by sharing a realization that I had that I believe applies to all people. What you need to do is discern whether it really applies to you. And here it is. You are either having to deal with a difficult person in your life or you are a difficult person and someone's having to deal with you. And if you can't think of a difficult person in your life, it might be that you're the difficult person in your life. And so here's the deal. If you are a difficult person, then someone needs to love you enough to tell you that that's the case. I am offering to be that person this morning. And if you have any questions at all, I would love to help you. You can email me at Fisher at gracebiblechurch.org. Uh, if you are sitting there thinking uh, after the holidays, this is probably a perfect topic because you're realizing that you just spent too much time with family, and uh, you are dealing with a difficult person in your life, then the good news is that the text we are looking at this morning is going to show us how to deal with these people in a way that is healthy, God-honoring, and faithful. So if you have a Bible, I want you to join me this morning in Genesis chapter 30. Genesis chapter 30 is where we're going to be today, and as you're turning there, I'll just. Uh, give you an idea of where we're headed over the next three weeks that we're going to be together. We're going to be in a series that we are calling We Are, and the whole goal of this series is for us to just be honest about where we're at in life, and so today we're going to talk about the fact that we are difficult people, and it's going to be awesome. Next week, we're going to talk about the reality that we are isolated people, and then the third week, we're going to talk about the fact that we are anxious people. Now, what we all have to realize is that we can't change who we've been, but Jesus Christ can absolutely change who we will be from this day forward. And so I hope that you will journey uh, with us over the next three weeks, because my hope is that Jesus is going to help us take a big next step in our lives with him. So Genesis chapter 30 is where we are today as we talk about the fact that we are difficult people. Let's pick it up in verse 25 and 26, it's just going to kind of set the scene for us. So it says this, it says, as soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you that I may go for, you know, the service that I have given you. So just to kind of get us all on the same page, we are looking this morning at a story about Jacob. Jacob, if you're not very familiar with the book of Genesis, okay, there's the, the book of Genesis zeroes in on one family, and it's Abraham's family. Abraham is the father of Isaac, who is then the father of Jacob and Esau. We're looking at Jacob this morning. And Jacob's story really takes off with him weaseling his brother Esau out of his birthright. And it causes so much family drama that Jacob actually has to hit the road running for his life because his brother Esau wants to kill him. And so what Jacob does is he moves in with a relative, and we find out that that person is, is Laban. And Jacob has a very interesting uh, experience with Laban. It's this weird deal where he ends up agreeing to work for about 14 years, serving Laban for the privilege of marrying his two daughters. It's, it's a weird deal. And after those 14 years... Jacob tacks on about six more years of service. So we're talking about 20 years total of Jacob serving serving Laban. Now, uh, along the way during those 20 years, Jacob, in a sense, Jerry Springer's his way into a household full of kids. And if you're sitting there thinking, I don't know who Jerry Springer is, you are much better off for that, okay? (laughs) But he finds himself with this household full of kids, and Jacob has this extremely healthy realization that honestly every guy should have at some point. Like after 20 years of living with his father-in-law, he realizes this isn't the best setup. <laughs> and I should probably get out and start providing for my own family. And so he goes to Laban, his father-in-law, and asks to leave. And it is not a smooth exit. Watch how things play out. And I'm going to read a big chunk of Scripture here, so follow along with me. Verse 27 But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages, and I will give it. Jacob said to him, You yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, What shall I give you? Jacob said, "'You shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen.' Laban said, good, let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted, and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it, and every lamb that was black, and put them in the charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob pastured, pastored the rest of Laban's flock. Some people here are dealing with a difficult spouse, don't say amen right now. Some people are dealing with a difficult parent or a difficult child. Some people are dealing with a difficult boss or a difficult coworker. Some are dealing with a difficult roommate. Jacob was dealing with a difficult father-in-law. So here's how this morning is going to go. We're going to first... Um, zero in on Laban. And Laban is going to show us what it looks like to be a difficult person. And then we're going to transition and we're going to look at Jacob. And Jacob is going to show us how to deal with a difficult person in a way that is healthy, God-honoring, and faithful. So if you're sitting here today and you want to know if you're difficult or if you want the person sitting next to you to know that they are difficult, here we go. The story begins with uh, Jacob coming to his father-in-law asking for uh, permission to leave. And how does his father-in-law respond? Well, Laban doesn't want Jacob to leave. Now, a good question to ask is, why doesn't Laban want Jacob to leave? I mean, why is Laban the only father-in-law in in all of history who is not ready for his son-in-law to get out from under his roof after 20 years of being together? Why? Why? This isn't because uh, Laban is this helicopter parent who just uh, wants to be really involved in his daughter's lives and and wants to be near them. This isn't about Laban uh, not wanting to let his grandkids go because he loves just being a good grandparent, wrestling with them, hanging out with them. No, this is actually about his bank account because as we just saw in the text, Before Jacob moved in, Laban had a small amount of stuff. And when Jacob moved into his house, he actually brought the favor of God with him. And so his small amount of stuff turned into a large amount of stuff. And so Jacob has been very beneficial to Laban's bottom line. And so when Laban sees Jacob, he doesn't see family, he sees fortune. And he has every intention of continuing to use his son-in-law to get more stuff. And it shows us something very, very important. And it's this difficult people use people, difficult people use people. So if you're an employer in here and you value wealth and success more than you value your people, you will use your people to get more wealth and success. You will pay attention to your turnover because you have, if you have a very high turnover in your place of work, It's possible that your people feel used and not valued. If you view your spouse or your kids as existing, and you would never articulate this, but if you operate as if they exist solely to meet your needs, then it's possible that you are a difficult person to live with right now. There's something very biblical about deep, intimate friendships, but there's something unbiblical about a one-way friendship, where a relationship revolves solely around your drama, and where you actually use people just simply as your emotional punching bags. And there's never a moment in your friendship where you turn around and, and ask how the other person is doing. Difficult people use people. So the story goes like this. Jacob comes to his father-in-law. He asks for permission to leave. Laban doesn't want him to leave, and so look at what he says. We pick it back up. In verse 27, it says this, Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Verse 28, this is important. He says, name your wages and I will give it. Jacob said to him, you yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me for you had little before I came and it has increased abundantly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, what shall I give you? So there's two important phrases there. Name your wages and what shall I give you? The reason that these phrases are important is because this is not the first time that Jacob has heard these phrases. Jacob first heard these phrases coming from Laban when he first moved in. The story goes like this, that Jacob moved in and he fell in love with one of Laban's daughters and he wanted to marry her. And so he made this crazy agreement to work for seven years for the privilege of marrying Laban's daughter. And uh, it, the text says that the, the time just flew by. Talking, talk about being in love. Some of you college students are like, I can't wait till we graduate so that we can get married. That's like a year away. Talk about seven years. It just flew by as if it was nothing. But then Jacob gets to his uh, wedding night, this magical, glorious night, And in the middle of the night, Laban sneaks in and switches out his daughters. Who does that? So this is probably an important moment for me to just have a talk with the dads in the room who have daughters. If you don't want your daughter to marry a certain guy, that's fine. Tell her that beforehand. But if you agree, you stay out of the honeymoon suite. Deal? (laughs) That's the way it goes. All right. But Jacob comes to Laban and asks for permission to leave. And then he has this wicked case of deja vu where Laban says, name your wages and what shall I give you? And what does Jacob do? He protects himself. Why? Because he knows that Laban cannot be trusted to do what he says that he's going to do. And it shows us something very, very important. Difficult people are untrustworthy people. Difficult people cannot be trusted to do what they say that they are going to do. So if you are a spouse who has promised to cut back on spending or to stop drinking too much or working too much or to stop looking at inappropriate images on the internet, yet you don't do what you say you're going to do, I need you to know that you are putting an unhealthy and an unnecessary strain on your marriage simply because you're not following through with what you've promised. If you're a college student in here, I want you to know how much I love you guys. That's why I do what I do, because I love your generation. But something that I've seen that is so socially acceptable on the campus of Texas A&M is for college students to flake out. To not be where you say you're going to be. To not do what you say you're going to do. To not follow through with all of the commitments that you've made. If you want to be a part of 10 student organizations this semester, that's fine. But if you commit to being a part of them, you better see them through to the end. Difficult people are untrustworthy people. They cannot be trusted to do what they say they are going to do. Let me uh, let me just try and explain the deal that Laban and Jacob kind of strike up. I'm sure that everyone was following it when we were talking about speckled and spotted goat and goats and sheep, and so I know that y'all were just tracking along and soaking that in and. There's a breath of fresh air to your soul and you want to meditate on that portion of scripture again later on today. But just for the few people in here that weren't tracking along exactly with the deal, what's happening here is Jacob wants to cultivate his own flock. Because if he can cultivate his own flock, then he can have some standing in society. And so what the deal that he makes is he comes to Laban and says, let me, let me kind of cultivate a flock of speckled and spotted sheep. And so the deal is that speckled and spotted sheep and goats tend to produce speckled and spotted sheep and goats. Sheep and goats of one color tend to produce sheep and goats of one color. What does Laban do? He goes and removes all of the speckled and spotted sheep and goats from his herd. Why? So that Laban can't cultivate his own flock. Because if he can't cultivate his own flock, then he won't have any standing in society. And if he doesn't have any standing in society, then he probably won't move out. And if he doesn't move out, then Laban can continue to enjoy great wealth because his son-in-law has brought the favor of God into his house. Do you see what Laban is doing? He is trying to control Jacob. And it shows us something extremely important. Difficult people are controlling people. Difficult people are controlling people. So if you will manipulate your spouse or your employees to get what you want. I say this in love, but it's possible that you're a difficult person to live with or work with right now. And this one's going to be really sensitive But if, uh, I'll just say this, I've got three boys. Noah, eight, Andrew, six, Jake, three and a half months old. And man, I've just realized that as a parent, there is this tendency in me to want to control every aspect of my kids' lives. And we do that as parents. We want to be able to control every aspect of our kids' lives. And so you want to control what they wear, and what their hair looks like, and how they perform on the court, even though they're only five and they don't even understand the game. You want to control what classes they take, and where they end up applying to college, and where they go to college, and what they major in and when they graduate from college and where they're going to live after college and where they're going to work after college and who they're going to marry and then when they choose to get married what their wedding is actually going to look like and then after they're married how long they wait to have kids and when they do have kids how they dress their kids feed their kids discipline their kids some of y'all are like check 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 I'm doing everything right no you're not From one parent to another, uh, we we have to be honest with ourselves. There is a massive difference between loving your kids and controlling your kids. And that's why Paul even tells us in Ephesians 6, do not exasperate your children. How do you exasperate your kids? By trying to control your kids. Difficult people are controlling people. Okay, so (laughs) where am I going with all this? Because I've just spent about 20 minutes beating you up. Okay, the good news is that's not all I'm going to do this morning. If you're here this morning and you're realizing that you're a difficult person, and just to be clear, that's all of us in here. If you're sitting there thinking, I'm not a difficult person, that's what makes you difficult. (laughs) That's your problem. We just zeroed in on it. Jesus loves you. Welcome to Grace Bible Church. If you're realizing that you're a difficult person, there's great news. You can't change who you've been, but Jesus Christ can absolutely change who you will be from this day forward. Instead of using people, God can shape you into someone who loves and serves people. Instead of being an untrustworthy person, Jesus can shape you into a reliable person. Instead of being a controlling person, Jesus can shape you into a trusting person. But let me just tell you where it all has to start. It has to start with surrender. It has to start with you coming to a place where you realize that Jesus' way is the best way for life. And so let me just tell you, if, if you want to gain some traction out of being a difficult person, like if you want to see things start changing as soon as today or tomorrow morning, then I want to encourage you to do three things. Every morning this week, before your feet even hit the floor, like the moment your eyes are open, I just want to invite you to pray three things. Here they are. Number one, Jesus today... Your way is the best way. Today, your way is the best way. Number two, Jesus, today when I'm being difficult, help me to know it. Help me to know it and help me to be miserable because of it. And number three, Jesus, fill me with your Spirit that I might bear the fruit of the Spirit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Just see if you could benefit from having more of these in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and what's the last one? Yeah, anyone could anyone use a dose of self control? Don't raise your hand. That's fine. It's all of us. Cool. Jesus' way is the it's the best way. It is. He is in the business of giving new starts to messy lives. And so here's what we've done. We've looked at what makes people difficult. Difficult people use people. Difficult people are untrustworthy people. And difficult people are controlling people. All right? Now let's turn the corner. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, man, I am dealing with a difficult bonehead sitting right next to me. If that's you... If you're dealing with a difficult person in your life, what we want to do now is we want to look at Jacob because Jacob is going to show us what it looks like to deal with the difficult people in our lives. So Jacob comes to Laban. He wants permission to leave. Laban doesn't want him to leave. And how does Jacob respond? Look at his wording. He says this in verse twenty-nine. He says, "You yourself know how I've served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turn. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? Do you see what Jacob is saying? Jacob is looking back on the past twenty years of of being with Laban." And he has a clear conscience. He has confidence in his conduct. He's looking back and he's saying, Laban's life has been blessed because of my presence in it. It wasn't a perfect 20 years. But Laban's life has been blessed because of Jacob's presence in it. And so I just want you to know, I want you to have a vision This is your aim. This is your goal. If you're dealing with a difficult person in your life, make this your aim. May their life be blessed because of your presence in it. May their lives be blessed because of your presence in them. Why? Why is that our aim? Because this is the example that Jesus Christ has set for us. We have to realize that our lives aren't just blessed because of Jesus. Our lives are forever new. Because of Jesus Christ. The message of the gospel is that before God, we weren't just difficult, we were dead. We were physically alive, but spiritually dead. The scriptures don't say that we were spiritually bad people, meaning that we just need to try harder and be better. It doesn't say that we're spiritually sick, implying that we just need to get spiritually healthy. No, it says that we are spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins, which means that we are incapable of doing anything that is pleasing to a holy God. There is nothing that we can offer from our lives that would cause a perfect God to look at us imperfect people and to want us. But God, being rich in mercy and full of grace, has poured out his love for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who wasn't his God, stepped out of heaven and into earth. And he did what we couldn't do. He lived the life that we couldn't. And then he died the death that we each deserve to die. Our sin became his sin. Our punishment became his punishment. Our penalty of death became his penalty of death so that his resurrection to life could become our resurrection to a new life. This is the beautiful message of Christianity. We don't spend our lives trying to figure out how we can get to God because God has already come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. We don't spend our lives trying to be good enough for God because we can't be. And that's okay because Jesus Christ has come and he has been good enough for us. And so we don't have to earn God's love, acceptance, approval, and favor. No, we freely receive it through the person of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus Christ in a personal way, let me just invite you in. Let today be that day where you turn to Jesus Christ. You invite him into your life to be your savior. The one who reconciles you to God. The one who who takes you from being an enemy of God to being a child of God. One who takes you from being deserving of wrath to now being a recipient of love. This is what Christ has accomplished for us. Our lives aren't just blessed because of Jesus. Our lives are forever new because of Jesus. And when you experience that love, it is only right to begin expressing that love. Even to the difficult people in your life. And so a good question to ask yourself is this. So if you think about Jacob, if Laban's life was blessed because of Jacob's presence in it, then here's just some good diagnostic questions to ask yourself. Like, is your marriage better off because you're in it? Is your household, is your family better off because you're a part of it? Is your neighborhood better off because you reside in it? Is your workplace better off because you work in it now if you're sitting here and the answer to some of those questions is no then then the answer isn't for you to bail it's not well my marriage would be better off if I wasn't in it no no no, no. That, that that's not the answer the answer isn't to bail the answer is Jesus Christ you can't change who you've been but Jesus Christ can change who you will be from this day forward May other people's lives be blessed because of your presence in their lives. <clears throat> Let me just read one more time for you the deal that um, Jacob, Jacob and Laban made. It's, found in, made. it's found in verse 32 and 33. Jacob says, let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. So here's what you have to understand As a hired servant in the ancient Near East, Jacob would have been entitled to about 20% of Laban's flock. That's what he deserved was about 20% of Laban's flock. The problem was that Jacob was proposing a deal where it would be very difficult for him to get his 20% because speckled and spotted sheep and goats were the minority of the herd. Or the flock, it would, have, it would have been very difficult for Jacob to get his 20%, but he knew that Laban couldn't be trusted to do what he says that he's going to do. So he goes through, he makes this proposition anyway. Why? Because his trust is in the Lord. Watch this, this is very important. Jacob's trust in his hope isn't in Laban changing, it's in God providing. Do you see that? Jacob's trust, Jacob's hope is not in Laban changing, it's in God providing. So I want you to think about this. If we were to enter into this extremely unhealthy portion of the service, where I was to take a handheld microphone and I were to just say, hey, if you're dealing with a difficult person and they're in this room, would you just stand up real quick? And we were to begin to pass the microphone around and I were to say, hey, would you just tell us what's going on? Tell us your situation. Can you imagine how unhealthy this would be? But what do you think that we would hear over and over and over? Well, this is my husband, Mike. We've been married 25 years. Uh, He's a moron. Anyway, um, you know what? If he would just... Fill in the blank. You know what? If she would just fill in the blank. If he would just start doing this. If she would just stop doing this. What do you think we'd hear over and over and over? We would hear sentences that start with if he or if she. Let me just ask you. What if the solution to your situation isn't found in the two words if he or if she? What if the solution to your situation is found in the two words God will? God will. God will supply you with everything you need today to deal with a difficult person in your life. God will. Jacob's trust, his hope, wasn't in Laban changing. It was in God providing. I now want to read you a passage in the Bible that after we read it, You're going to be like, really, God? Like, that's just weird. Like, why did you put that in here? All right? So, see for yourself. Here we go. Verse 37. It says Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the truss, that is the watering places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks, so, that the, so the flocks brought forth stripes speckled and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own drills apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants and camels and donkeys. Let's pray and just get out of here today. I mean, what, what in the world is this about sticks in front of the eyes of the animals as they're breeding? This is weird. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this passage, but uh, let me just tell you that commentators offer three explanations of what's going on here. And just to be clear, the commentators don't know what's happening here. No one knows. God knows. And there's going to be a sweet soul in here that's going to want to come up afterward and tell me what's happening here. I've heard it. You can still come. But thank you. Three possible explanations. Number one, Jacob believed that there was some magical powers in these sticks and somehow it got the job done when it came to breeding. All right. Second option is that in his vast knowledge of sheep and goats, Jacob knows something that we don't. The third option is a shaky option. but it's possible that uh, Jacob had a conversation with God in which God asked him to put the sticks in the troughs. Not because there was power in the sticks, but it was giving Jacob an opportunity to demonstrate his faith in God's provision. That's a shaky option because that conversation isn't recorded in Scripture, and I'm always very hesitant to share something that isn't recorded. But I'll tell you, I lean toward the third option. That's just me personally. In the end, it doesn't really matter. In the end, we don't have to get down to the bottom of what's going on with these sticks and all of that. Because the application, the reality, is that God showed up in a miraculous way. That's what we get, is that God showed up in a miraculous way. And in the end, Jacob could live with and work for Laban because he knew that he truly lived with and worked for God. That's the application for us too. In the end, if we truly believe that our God is the God of the impossible, that our, our Savior, Jesus Christ can do the impossible in our lives, if we truly believe that, then what that means is that we can live with and work for difficult people because we truly live with and work for the only one who is truly generous and truly faithful and truly loving. And that frees us up to spend our lives responding to God instead of reacting to the people in our lives. Let me just close by sharing this. Jacob's time with Laban was a 20-year period that was far from perfect. There's a reason that I said that he Jerry Springer'd his way into a household full of kids. Go Google Jerry Springer for all of you people below the age of 30. Just go Google it. You'll understand. But his 20 years with Laban was far from perfect. Perfect. But if I were to put a label over the 20-year season of Jacob's life, this would be the title. This would be the label over his life. Imperfect but faithful. I believe that that's a per- perfect summary of that 20 years with Laban. That Jacob was imperfect but faithful. Not I'll just say this. If my wife and my kids were to say anything about me at the end of my life, If they were to compliment me in one way at the end of my life, then my hope and my prayer is that when I'm on my deathbed, they would be able to look at me and say, my husband or my dad, he was imperfect, but he was faithful. There's no greater compliment that you could ever receive than for someone to look you in the eyes and say, you are imperfect, but you have been faithful. It's interesting. We set our sights on being known for being wealthy or high capacity or accomplished or social, popular, happy, pretty. Those are the things that we spend our lives seeking after. That's what we want to be true of us. We want people to be able to look at us and say, man, that person is successful. That person is accomplished. That person is wealthy. That person is happy. That's what we long for. But the scriptures tell us what God truly celebrates. Do you really think you're going to get to heaven and walk through the door and God's going to be like, Well done, good and wealthy servant. Man, angels gather around. Well done, good and pretty servant. No, we know what God celebrates. He celebrates faithfulness. That's what he wants in our lives. And so if you're realizing this morning that you're a difficult person, which again is all of us, if you're realizing that you're a difficult person, let me just ask you, what's stopping you from in this moment just coming before the Lord and saying, God, I pray that there would be a massive pivot in my life. And that you would begin to do something in me that would transition me from being difficult to being faithful. That's what I truly long for. What's stopping you from that? And just to be clear, if you're realizing that you're a difficult person, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's where it really starts. Because in God's eyes, you're not just difficult, you are spiritually dead. Physically alive, but spiritually dead. Jesus Christ is the only one who can transform who you will be. So, whether you're dealing with a difficult person in your life or you are a difficult person, someone's having to deal with you, from this moment forward, may we be people who seek to live lives in hopes of one day walking into heaven and hearing those beautiful words Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I just acknowledge that I am a difficult person. I can be a difficult husband and a difficult dad sometimes. I can be a difficult boss. I can be a difficult friend, a difficult son. And I just thank you, Jesus, that you are able to change me, and I pray that you would. And I pray for my friends in this room this morning, Lord God. I just I thank you in advance. I thank you for your grace that is already present in our lives, Lord God, that we don't have to walk out of here feeling guilt or shame over who we've been. We can't change who we've been, and that is okay, because you, Jesus, who can you can change who we will be from this day forward. And so I just ask, Lord, that as we leave this place, we would just take a step towards faithfulness to you, Lord God. Would you identify the areas of our lives where we use people or where we are untrustworthy people or controlling people. And Lord, I just pray that you would empower us. May we be blessings in the lives of those who are difficult. Lord, I pray that our hope wouldn't be in someone changing. I pray that our hope would, and our trust would be in you providing, Lord. God, and I pray... Lord, that we would, you would help us to know that we truly live with and work for you so we can spend our lives responding to you instead of reacting to those around us. We need you, Lord God, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week.